So the virtue of temperance. The first half of the word temper is one we often think of with regard to being angry, right? Losing one's temper. Well, that's a sense of what we're actually talking about. Because in the classical sense, one's temper was how one is put together. Basically, how they're able to hold themselves well. So, like a, a well-tempered steel, that we talk about a knife, if it's well-tempered blade, isn't going to crack or break. Same with us. If we have a good temper, it means that we can be strong. So the virtue of temperance is how do we keep ourselves together in the face of stuff that we perceive to be good? Now, how many of you like ice cream? All right, what, what flavor do you like? Chocolate. You like chocolate? A lot of people like chocolate. You know what my favorite flavor is? More. Yeah, just more. Yeah, just, yeah, right? That's what temperance is all about. Not that we run away from good things. Not that we hate good things, because they're good. But that we understand them and we use them correctly and in the right proportions. And so the virtue of temperance is important because... We are spiritual beings, right? We have minds and hearts to know, to love. But we also got bodies, right? And our bodies make all sorts of demands on us. We get tired, we want to sleep. We get hungry, we want to eat. We get thirsty, we want something to drink, right? We get cold, we want to warm up. We have basic needs that need to be met. But the reality is that we can always want more, right? I mean, sit down, have a great big meal, it's delicious. Now my body says, that's enough, Father, back away from the table if I eat too much. But give me a couple minutes, and I'm ready to go at it again. Give me more. That's that spiritual part of us that only ultimately God can satisfy because we can always want more. We can always want more. Only God is big enough to completely satisfy us. So that's the first thing. If we're going to live temperate lives, that is to use good things in proper perspective, we've got to remember that nothing that's created and good that we can grab hold of is going to completely satisfy us. We can always want more. So, the virtue of temperance says, there's a lot of good stuff around me. I like these things, and I should like them, because they're good. Goodness reflects God himself. God who is the source of all goodness. They're little presents to remind us of his goodness. But what is my attitude towards these things? That's what temperance helps us do. First, that pleasure doesn't 
get the better of us. I remember when I was a little boy, you know, about most of your ages there, I was watching cartoons on Saturday morning. They used to have cartoons on Saturday morning. And every now and then there'd be one like somebody would make a beautiful pie and they put the pie on the windowsill and the little steam would be coming off. This is a cartoon and the steam would be coming off the pie and the steam would become hands. And you'd hear kind of like this little and the hands would find somebody and start caressing and then the person would start getting pulled by these little steamy hands to the pie. It was this way of talking about how this this smell of the pie smelled really good and it was like this person was just in a trance and just being drawn by invisible hands. <laughs> the virtue of temperance says, yeah, that pie smells great, but I'm not going to get into a trance. I'm not going to just walk like some zombie towards these things. Pleasure is pleasure. It's pleasant. Things are pleasant, but I have to approach them. They don't have control over me. A nice warm bed in the morning and the alarm goes off. Oh, nice warm bed. That's almost the same thing as those little steamy hands, you know, just stay in bed. No, that pleasant sensation of being in a warm bed, waking up in the morning, I have to be able to resist that because I got to get up, got to get up, go to school, go to work, whatever it is, there's things to do. So while I'm enjoying that pleasure, that pleasure doesn't get the best of me. Second thing that temperance does for us, we all have, I mentioned at the very beginning, we all have natural needs, instincts, if you will, things that we have to do like eat and drink and sleep and be clean and all these various things. And what temperance does is because these things are necessary, we have to do them. It gives us mastery, control over them because it's very easy for us to just let the instinct, the natural desire get the better of us. And we can just keep going and going and going. Remember, we, can, we have an infinite capacity to desire. So even the stuff that we have to do, even the stuff that's necessary for our well-being, our survival, we still need to use in proper measure. So temperance gives us that ability. You talk about the virtue of moderation. It's exactly what moderation is doing all good things in proper amount. And then the third thing that temperance allows us to do is to balance the good things. To balance the good things. We got a lot of good things, I told you. Playing a video game can be a good thing. You know, maybe for me, I used to play solitaire on the computer between doing uh, cases when I worked on the tribunal because working on legal stuff, that requires a lot of brain power and it caused a lot of attention and a lot of focus. And that's just tiring. I'm not doing anything physically. My brain gets worn out. So just sitting there, you know, you know playing spider solitaire, whatever, just kind of mindless, 
kind of cleans out the system. But I can't do that for eight hours. I got to get back to work. So again, it's a good thing. It's good because it gives me a relief. It gives, it gives my brain a change of pace. But I have to balance that with other things, other good things that need to happen as well. I can't just do one thing all day, as good as it is. All right, so the virtue of temperance helps us to work with all of the good things that are around us, things that are pleasant, things that are necessary, things that are just downright good, and help us to use them when and to the degree that is proper. And so those virtues of moderation, everything else we're going to talk about, self-control, that's what helps us to use these gifts properly. All right, that's my piece. Who goes next? You, Father? All right. So I have the good fortune to speak with you tonight about honesty, humility, and meekness. So first and foremost, honesty. Notice, at first you might wonder, wait a minute, isn't honesty something maybe that's part of justice? A lot of these things are interrelated because you owe your parents the truth. If you are being interviewed by the police, you owe them the truth. So it seems like justice, it fits more with justice. Well, honesty, think about what it is between. Sometimes when we don't want to say anything, like if we get asked, did you do this? We, we don't say anything, we clam up. Notice that's not speaking when you're supposed to speak, or it could be a kind of a lie, or you have then an exaggeration, which is the truth, very much varnished, enlarged upon. I caught a fish this big. So notice how it is, it is a kind of balance between either not saying enough or not saying the truth, like a lie, or the truth that's been greatly exaggerated. It's very important for temperance as well because we have to have an appropriate self-knowledge. Self-knowledge is very important for this virtue. If I don't know, if I am not honest with myself, about the fact, and again, I'm not saying this because I don't want you to give this to me. I manage to survive every time I go to the store to not buy double stuff Oreo cookies. Don't do it. I have self-honesty to say I have a hard time with self-control with those things. Have you noticed, Father, I very rarely buy them. I mean, literally, I bought them once or twice and rude the day because they disappear. Usually, there are three or four stacks in, the, in three or four days. So, um, and again, I repeat, do not get them for me. But I, I, last time I went to Walmart, I went past the double stuff Oreo cookies. I stopped. I, I actually stopped. I looked. I drooled. Then I went on. It's like, no. In fact, I actually went backwards to go, no, no, I don't need this. So that is a kind of self-honesty. You're not deceiving yourself. I can handle this on my own. I don't have a problem. If you don't have honesty, you're going to have a hard time with temperance. 
because we need to be able to realize I have a problem with chocolate. I have a problem with more or I have a problem with this or that. So honesty is very important. Next, there is a great prayer, a very simple prayer. Jesus, meek and humble of heart, make my heart like unto thine. Jesus, meek and humble of heart, make my heart like unto thine. And so with meekness, we have the ability to make sure that we are someone who is not just about us. It's about somebody else. It's okay to let somebody else shine. It's okay to let somebody else have a moment. We don't need to be center stage. Now, there is what is called middle child syndrome. That's where the very oldest usually get a lot of attention from mom and dad. The very youngest get a lot of attention. And all of us who are middle children, I tell you, we get left out. And so therefore, we have to seek and clamor, I exist, pay attention to me, notice me, uh, I'm a middle child. Even though I'm number seven of eight, I was meant, no, 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 that's not true. Uh, I was meant to get more attention, clearly, no. Um, no, I'm, you know, I did not get that last position, of course, the youngest child looked much better than me, had curly hair, you know, whatever. That's just one of those things. So what can I do? I'm the black sheep of the family. Um, this, I've noticed that I sometimes seek attention. However, meekness says, you know what, it's not all about me. And notice with temperance, what you're realizing with meekness, this virtue serves temperance because you're saying, I need to make sure that there's a balance. It's not just about me. It's about other people. For example, uh, in your family, it is good for parents to give attention to all the children, to be attentive to all of them because it's not just about one. Uh, we all have different gifts and challenges, um, but every one of us should be paid attention to. And there should be an opportunity for everyone to have, in a sense, an opportunity to lead in prayer at home. You can take a turn, like who would like to uh, make the first person to make a request of God in a petition, or who would like to lead the Our Father, who would like to lead the next decade of the Rosary. And in meekness, I know that a lot of people like to raise their hand, I want it, I want it. Don't forget, sometimes that's, let's have somebody else do it. Then with humility, humility is primarily when we realize that God needs to work through us. Jesus had a humble heart, even though he was the most powerful human ever to have existed, because he's God and man. He nonetheless always did everything with God, with the Father. As he said, the Father is in me and I am in the Father. And we want to make sure in humility that we realize we cannot do things by ourselves. We did not die on the cross to save ourselves. We did not. It only took me to sin, but I need the help of Christ to forgive me. I, even as a priest, I cannot absolve myself. I must humbly bow before our Lord, kneel before him and ask for forgiveness. 
This is where humility is very similar to a kind of self-knowledge, but it's a self-knowledge that says, wow, I can't do this on my own. And that's okay, don't give up. When you can't do something in the home, if mom and dad say, you know, I want you to make your bedspread or your, you know, so tight I could bounce a nickel off it. I remember my dad would talk about that. And I didn't know, for example, how to, to make what is called a square corner on the bed. But I had others that could teach me how to, it's a, interesting, you, your parents can show you how to make a square corner on your bed when you're tucking in the sheets. It's an art. I didn't know how to do it right away and I didn't know how to do it nice and tight. Um, I'm not a believer in tight sheets anyway, but my dad wanted to teach me because he needed to know how to do that in the Navy. So this is one of those things where I don't know how to do it. How do I do it? We need to have the courage to ask. And humility is really that sense of saying, I am aware that I have limitations. And notice in regards to temperance, we have to have a sense of reality. If we are good at something, it is actually humbling to be able to say, you know what, can I offer some help? It's actually humbling. It's not arrogant. It's like, I, this is actually something I'm good at. I, I, may I help you? And it's humbling to say, I would greatly ex, you know, accept that help. And so, boys and girls, let's remember that in humility, we want to recognize what we're good at so that we can serve others. But we also want to have the humility to say, oh, I'm not good at this. I need help. I need to ask for assistance. And so, boys and girls, your mom and dads have been given to you to help you in many ways. They will start helping you to realize, oh, what are my gifts? In fact, it'd be a great homework assignment. Uh, children, ask your parents, what are your gifts? Uh, what are you good at? And this is going to be difficult, but you can say, where do I need help? <laughs> and my dad would say to me, uh, Mark, you're very good at being floorganized. That means everything on the floor. Uh, and that's why the next topics are going to be covered by Deacon. I've seen his office. He is modest about this, but he's also very orderly. So modesty and orderliness will be spoken about by our good Deacon. So let's uh, talk about modesty. When we think about modesty, uh, it's easy, I think, for some of us to, to first uh, focus on one aspect of it, but I want to talk about it more in, in a broader sense. Modesty, like a lot of these virtues that are connected to temperance, are about the right balance of things. Okay? And with modesty, it's about the right balance of respect for ourselves and others. Um, if I have accomplishments, I should be honest about my accomplishments, but not overbalance, you know, to get out of balance by overly talking about them. If I talk about how brilliant I am at certain things, well, I may be right, but I'm not modest if I keep bringing that up. It's not out. It's a it's a it's a a, a disordered uh, sense of my own importance on those particular things, and also a disordered sense of respect for other people, 
I'm constantly bringing up at how good I am at chess, I'm not. But if I were, if somebody who's not that good at it would feel perhaps you know, less uh, uh, good about themselves and their own accomplishments, and they can do things that I can't do. So modesty in that sense is about that proper balanced respect for my own abilities and my own lack of abilities and other people's abilities and lack of abilities. But there's another sense in which we use the word modest. We talk about, again, having, you know, we can think about it in terms of how we dress and how we behave, right? But it's the same idea, the same basic understanding of uh, modesty is about respect. Respect for who we are, respect for who other people are. Take an example of something just uh, to, to try to illustrate what I'm talking about. Look at our tabernacle. What do we do? We veil it. Why do we veil the tabernacle? Because we know that what, actually who, is in there is so important that we're showing our respect for the tabernacle by veiling it. And not only are we veiling the tabernacle, but in the tabernacle is a ciborium containing the Blessed Sacrament, and that's veiled too. Because we have this showing this great respect for what's there, and that's what we do with our bodies. We wear clothes that cover ourselves out of respect for ourselves. Not because our bodies are bad. They can't be bad. God made them, and everything God made is good but out of respect for ourselves and respect for other people. That's why we do that. So modesty is a, in, in all of these senses is about a proper respect for who we are, a proper respect for who other people are, and showing that kind of um, general good behavior toward each other, all right? In, uh, in, in uh, uh, um, not being, uh, you know, too far on one end and too far on the other, which is why it's a handmade virtue of temperance. And move on to orderliness. There's a, you know, a father who's talked about his office and my office, and you know, Father McConville is a very good cook, by the way. And there's a phrase that, that chefs will say, because a lot of our Western cooking is, comes out of France, and they talk about mise en place. Everything is in place. Put everything in place. So when you're cooking and you've got this constant barrage of the orders coming in and you've got to bash out all of these dishes, right, that the chef's having to do, how, you know, all those things on the menu and, and things are coming in and they're somehow get it all done because they know where everything is. Everything is prepped. All of the, the vegetables are chopped just right in all their right places. The knives are where they need to be. The, the pans are where they need to be. Everything is where it needs to be so that when the order comes in, they know what to do and they do it right then. Okay? Orderliness is about being prepared so that we can accomplish what we need to do. It's a preparation uh, um, for the moment but it's a preparation that is, it's about, again, all of these intemperance are about everything being properly ordered and balanced. I may think that I know where things are, but if I haven't thought through it, 
How often do you find yourself thinking, where did I put that? You know? But if we know, if we, if we are in a habit, a habit of, of, of knowing, you know, having things in a proper order, doing things right in, in, a, in a proper sequence, um, our risks of making mistakes are less, and also our uh, ability, as with the chef, to accomplish what needs to be done is, is, uh, um, is so much easier, you know, and so, so much more orderly. Um, think about, uh, uh, you know, um, any of you that, you know, especially your parents who maybe are involved in, in, in professions that involve, like, kind of going through checklists and doing things. Thinking about pilots, for example, they have a checklist that they go through as they walk around the plane to make sure <laughs> that everything's going to be all right. You know, um, uh, doctors will go through a particular, you know, uh, order of things as they're doing the surgeries to make sure that they don't leave anything inside the patient, you know, or whatever, right? You're constantly going through this checklist. If you don't go through the checklist, the chances are you might forget something sometime. So, um, in or orderliness is about everything in its proper place, in its proper function, uh, uh, and, uh, um, and, it, and therefore it's connected with temperance. Not too far on one extreme, not too far on another. 